It's here, dude. The Cocaine Grand Prix. The Cocaine Grand Prix. Some people call it the poor man's Monaco, but me and you both know that this is the Cocaine Grand Prix. Absolutely. How many of those fake yachts do you think are running drugs in that little shitty wannabe marina they built there? Oh, that's where everybody's going in and out for their uh, cocaine. Little sniffer here and there. Yeah. Little sniffer. I uh, I wasn't that excited about this race. Once I realized I wasn't going to go, I was, I was planning on going there. I wasn't. The last couple of weeks haven't been too excited. I got to admit I'm getting a little more excited as race weeks here. They're dropping all this fresh merch. I've almost bought like four or five things from teams I don't care about just because it looks amazing. Do you see Williams flip their logo from the W to the M? That was pretty sweet. It's pretty sick. Yeah, they really are capitalizing on it. We'll talk about that a little bit throughout today, but I guess give a, a bit of a rundown of what we got today. Do you have a sponsor this week? Well, you bet I do. God damn it. There goes some views. So we'll do sponsor. We'll do race news. We will do our noob segment. We will not have Toto Wolf this week because we didn't have a, a race last week. And then we will jump into uh, race preview and losing money with no rubber. Yeah. So sponsors this week for people that are worried about the environment that really want to make an impact. If you're going to use a straw this weekend, we have Miami paper straws. That way, when you get done using them for the cocaine Grand Prix, you're not going to hurt the turtles out there. So Miami paper straws. That's actually pretty fantastic. That's the first sponsor we've had in weeks that I haven't just shuddered at the, the thought of. And we are helping make a positive impact in the world. Yeah, well, you take a whole bunch of super rich people down to Miami for what's turned out to be a pretty super exclusive event. And there's going to be a super amount of cocaine done. And we want whatever utensils or tools that they utilize to be paper. That's why Miami Paper Straw Company is the way to go. I love it, dude. I'm all in on it. I'm all in on it. So I guess we would jump right into race news here this week. I got a, a few things I, I want to get your opinion on here. So F1, a few things that came out direct from F1 themselves. They came and defined a few key changes to 2023. So I'm just going to quickly run through them one by one. Let me know what you think. Six sprint events in 2023. Jeez. I like the sprint events, but it seems like the racers don't. And there's there's a large growing contingency of fans that do not as well. I don't get how a fan you don't like it. Quite honestly, some of the, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to say maybe the only thing bad I'll say about Russell this entire year, he came out after the last one saying they need to add a pit stop. It's like, dude, at that point, isn't it just a race? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I've heard maybe they should lengthen the sprint, but no, leave it the way it is. It's created exciting environments over the last two years. Some unpredictable things have happened. For me, one of my favorite racing moments is seeing our boy Lewis go through the sprint race like a banshee out of hell. That was fantastic. Yeah, and I think, right, we've had, that was our first one this year, was was last, well, last race week, right? And it's like, okay, so one out of four hasn't provided entertainment. I think you're a little too soon for either drivers or fans to be saying pull it. I did see signs saying it needed spicing up. For me, that's what this thing does. It spices up the whole weekend. So Friday, you have, you know, you have a real race event in qualifying Saturday, you got the sprint Sunday, the race. It makes the entire weekend that much more enjoyable. Each day matters. Exactly. Why would you not want that? And when we go to these events, we are going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So anybody attending these, from a live fan point of view, 
Yeah, it makes I'm, it so much better. I mean, think about it as last time, right? You just sort of walk around when you get there. You do it all once. You really don't care so much for the practice, at least in the weather we were in. I mean, it was beautiful weather, but it was hot. The track's huge. Practice is like, eh, you know, maybe I'll go watch a couple laps. If it's a qualifying event or if it's an actual sprint race, you best believe my ass is in the seat the entire time it's going on, right? Exactly. All right, another one for you. What do you think of them mandating the use of the helmet camera in 2023? I like that angle. I think it provides amazing onboard video of what these guys are really going through, especially the porpoising. We've seen how bad it truly is this year. And to see their view from a cockpit is unbelievable. Dude, it's like every little kid's dream, right? It's almost like a video video game view you're getting. So every driver will now have that starting in 2023. Who are the ones that have it right now? Is it only Alpha and Ferrari? Is it Ferrari has one? I know Ferrari has it because they show Leclerc with it nonstop. That would be my actual fear with it is they use it too much. Because I've seen in some of the races, it does seem like all they're doing is showing Leclerc going through. And yeah, it's crazy and it's incredible, but it does take away, at least at the angles they've shown it, of really being able to see what's going on on the whole track. Now, if it's Leclerc about to, you know, overtake somebody or go side by side or him diving into a corner, that'd be fantastic. But I don't need to see the majority of the race from just a bouncing fucking Not helmet cam, right? Here's from right field. Do you think that they could use that footage to see if somebody was truly checking their mirrors a la Lance Stroll or looking at their on-dash camera? For flags or... Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. It could potentially be used against them. And the other thing, which this came out... I don't know, a year or two ago when they first started talking about testing these, and I think it was Williams was the only one willing to do it because their car was a piece of shit. Teams were worried that other teams would be able to steal proprietary information off of those cameras, right? Because you can see directly into the driver's cockpit area. Exactly. So we'll see. I'm with you. I think it's great. I just hope they don't overuse it. Last one I got in terms of key changes for 2023. So it looks like they are talking about two things. They're talking about modifying the qualifying event next year. Not sure exactly what that would look like at this point, but I do know that it would be tied into potentially changing the tire allocation from 13 sets of tires to 11 at two events next year, and then they'll go from there. I've also read on this that they would require to use certain tires in each session in qualifying. Yes. So it was going to be hard in the first one, medium in Q2, and in Q3 you would have to use the, the soft. You can't see my face right now, but I'm disgusted. It's like the first time I ever saw a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, keep let's keep that in. Uh, I think if, that, if what we read is correct in the article that we cited – I think that takes away from a lot of strategy. It it does, and this this came from Planet F1. I think it does. What they're ultimately, I think, looking at is sustainability, using less tires, doing whatever, right? Um, I, I get Fuck it. Fuck off. You're flying from Miami to Spain. I mean, you do not give a shit about sustainability, so don't cite that as an example, no, F1. They- that article did cite that, but... Okay, so hear me out. Hear me out. So next next thing I was going to bring up, the key objectives they've mentioned for the power unit in 2006. One, maintaining the spectacle. Two, financial sustainability. Three, that it's attractive to new power unit manufacturers. And four, environmental sustainability. I'm with you in that 
I do think they, they've done very good pushing forward, not just in their cars, but then in, in manufactured items and, and pieces of the machinery that go out to then be used in customer cars, right? They're very leading edge at that. There is, is an environmental push there. But I'm with you. This seems like such a shitty way to get there when you're flying just for this week, for example. We went from Italy to Miami back to Spain. I'm shaking my head right now just because I'm so disgusted by this sustainability bullshit. Look, I realize that we need to make an impact on the world, but let's just put an asterisk next to F1. Don't touch it. Half these assholes saying that you need to cut back on gas and everything are taking private jets to Miami this week. So I get it's a true need. I, I truly believe in the global warming crisis, but don't sit here and preach to me that this is about sustainability or you give a shit about sustainability. We well, race for money. I'm with you there, and I think sustainability does ultimately tie in the money and you know whether or not F1 can continue going on. So I do get it from that point of view. It's just this is the most nearsighted way to tackle sustainability when you leave the global footprint they do and the travel schedule not being geographically you know centered or, or routed so that you're not going from one side of the globe to the other right back to where you just came from. If they truly wanted to make an impact this weekend and for the rest of foreverdom, Hand out paper straws at your events, especially here at Miami and Monaco, where we know that the white rhino is riding hard. You're you're spot on. I'm with you. I, I thought it was kind of a funny reasoning so behind it. Dumb. Like, Sometimes I hate these idiots. That are just so many different things you could do. Uh, I got another one for you. We've talked about this over and over again. Finally confirmed by Volkswagen CEO, Porsche and Audi will be... Joining F1 in 2026, it seems like there's still a bit of uncertainty around where Audi will go, how they will be involved. We've talked to McLaren rumors. We know Alfa uh, Romeo's talked to them. I believe there was another one too. Williams was another one cited as possible. And then obviously Porsche with Red Bull, which just is absolutely horrendous. I wish that was vice versa, but... That's what we're stuck with. I'm excited to bring more manufacturers back into the fold. I want more money into the sport. I want more diverse technology. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just hate that Porsche, which is my favorite car company, will be tied to Red Bull. We've talked about it at nauseum, so I don't need to go on. But it sounds like that is, as of today or yesterday, officially confirmed. What do you do for Honda? Because Honda's been talking about getting back in. It seems like everybody wants back in right now just because of the growth and where it's going. I think we could probably go on a 30-minute tangent about where you go. So do you think Honda's going to want to get back in? I think they wanted in before they left, right? It was one of those. I don't know if they expected to have the success they did. Then they killed it. They had a great partnership with Red Bull. You're seeing F1 become more and more profitable. They've obviously got the budget cap, the salary cap, if you will, which, again, protects profitability for these teams. So, yeah, why why wouldn't they, right? I mean, shit, when are we going to start seeing Ford and Chevy in this bitch? I think you're looking at when these TV rights come up. We talked about race news probably a couple weeks ago. This thing's going to be a billion-dollar contract. Easy. You know what I found interesting, too? This Miami Grand Prix. I didn't realize this until today looking at some news, but it, along with Monaco, are the only two that don't pay any licensing fee to Formula One to host the event. What Formula One is banking on as, a, as an entity is that they will recoup their money from hosting this race 
through the TV deal, through this event basically boosting the popularity to the point they recoup plus some after two or three Miami Grand Prix. It makes dollar sense. It does. It does. I just, I couldn't believe Miami got away with that, with how many people are trying to get into F1 right now, cities, right, host cities, and they're like, yeah, let's go to Miami for free, that market we finally have a, a foot into. It's being built up as an extravaganza, so I don't know if that's just PR or if it's people excited. Most of the stuff I see is people bitching about it because of the money it costs to go there. It was going to cost us an arm and a leg, but we had schedule conflicts, but yeah, uh, I'm more excited as we come, but... I don't want this to be a mainstay, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. More to come on that. I'm with you. We could talk about that in the race preview because that's really where I want to go in that segment. The other piece I thought you would like to talk about, Andreas Seidel from McLaren. We have talked ad nauseum last year especially about Red Bull and their sister team and how at times it seemed like Gasly in particular was protecting the Red Bull team, that the strategy wasn't just a Red Bull strategy. They also were able to incorporate those other two Utilizing cars. Utilizing two other cars. Exactly. So Andreas Seidel came out and he essentially said, we need really strict rules in place to make sure that the A team doesn't benefit from the B team. And even in some ways that the B team doesn't benefit from the A team, right? Especially with the budget cap. That's where he was talking about the B team. They can just pull without spending the resources from that A team's you know, bank or research, whatever you want to call it. And there you go. They've got an advantage over all the other midfield teams. Yeah, I don't know about that side of things. I just know what I saw in 2021. And that was several instances where Gasly was not allowed to race for Stappen, where he basically got out of the way. I agree. It pissed me off beyond belief. You know, I think there's more than just two Red Bull teams, too. I'll talk about that in a second here. But his exact quote was, it allows B teams with, let's say, less effort, putting less effort in to overperform. But even more worrying is that A teams is benefiting from it. And that is obviously the worrying thing with the ambition we are having as a team. I still hope we find solutions here because clearly the target we are having, the ambition is not to have a second team, for example. I hope F1 never ends up in a position that you have to have a second team in order to fight at the front. I felt so bad for Gasly last year. He was in a position to vie for, in that race, a high spot. But he basically had to pull out of the way and allow Verstappen to pass. I think with all these teams trying to come in, these motor manufacturers, Andretti trying to buy teams, there should be no reason for anybody to have two teams. I agree. It should almost be a, a rule against it that you're not allowed to have a sister team because I think inherently whatever rules you put in place, you know, it's a competition. These guys are going to try to benefit in whatever way they can. And I, I just think you're opening the door to, like you said, with the Gasly incident, it's not racing and it goes against the competitive spirit of racing when a Gasly doesn't open his DRS until Max has passed him. Exactly. And I do not blame Red Bull for utilizing both teams at all. It's it's open in the rule book. Why the fuck not? One of the reasons why Horner, as much as I shit on the horn dog, strategy wise, one of the best out there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Oh, God, talking nice about the <laughs> horn dog. On that note, same thing, right? I I told you guys you called me conspiracy theorist. You told me to take my aluminum hat out. This week on Beyond the Grid, 
which is uh, is it Clarkson? What's the guy's name? It's Clarkson. Yeah, Clarkson. Tom Clarkson. Tom Clarkson. He had Albon on there, and he was asked. Albon was asked about his relationship with Red Bull, and it is worth a listen if you haven't, just to hear him being all squirrely, essentially saying, "Yeah, there is some kind of relationship. Yeah, there's something there, but yeah, it's best I don't go into the details of it." At one point, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but almost exactly saying. It's best if I don't get into the details of it. So there's further proof in my book that you, at the very least, have a fifth Red Bull driver in Albon still. <laughs> it's not touching that. I love Albon. What he's doing at Williams is showing that Latifi doesn't belong in the sport, which I'm proud to see. Did you see what Latifi said about that? Go on. He basically said the headline of the article was, I need to get on Albon's level. And he was pretty honest about his lack of performance thus far. Outside of F1, Latifi seems like a great person. Inside F1. Very punchable, though, even outside. Very, very punchable. I would say probably the second most punchable face in the last two years with one of the most punchable faces no longer being an F1. I would like to just clarify, though, at this moment that we are an anti-Russian podcast, but we will not, under any circumstances, remove the name Mazepin from our Worst Driver of the Year award. It will remain the TSP Mazda Spin Award for Worst Driver of the Year. We are anti-Russian. But we are sad to see him not having the ability to defend his title. That's just you. That you can stick to that. <laughs> I'm quite happy with him just getting the inaugural one and never getting a chance again. Last thing I've got on news, and I'll see what you've got. Do you see all this shit about some McLaren employee bullying Hamilton? I haven't read much into it, but I saw there's some McLaren employee that's under investigation. Was bullying him on Twitter, I guess, from what sounds like an official F1 account, which in many ways, just at a surface level, I am totally here for. That's fantastic. I would love to see Max Verstappen jump on Red Bull's Twitter and just start shitting on Lewis. It would be hilarious. Uh, I would like to see George Russell and Lewis. Actually, no, Lewis is too peaceful. George Russell to fire back on the tweets that Verstappen does. But yeah, this gentleman or lady, I don't know, or binary person, uh, at one point said a fucking pussy to a tweet from official F1 account tagged to Hamilton last year. And then when Hamilton was knighted, they, they allegedly wrote, oh, fuck off for having the fastest car on the grid. What a wanker. You have to be the biggest dumbass in the world to work for an official F1 team and say that about arguably the greatest driver of all time. Two, one of the greatest humanitarians of all time. Three, fuck off, you wanker piece of shit from McLaren. Four, it's pretty fucking funny, though. I, I get, I guess. I mean, it had... I get the stupidity you have to... like. That's one of those... I'm going to see how long I can do this till I get fired. I don't care about my job anymore type moves. You've got to have one foot out. You know you're getting fired the second they find you. I guess there are a lot of stupid people out there with a lot of stupid tweets. Myself (laughs) included, but I don't. (laughs) We are an independent podcast and I cannot get fired. Yeah. Although you have almost been massy just a a couple times this year. (laughs) A couple? I think every other podcast. Yeah. Still... What the fuck? I I have some news of my own. So I do want to say last week we I said Daniel Ricardo was on the hot seat. And I don't even know if he would be here next year. Well, right after that, there was a tweet that came out rumored 
McLaren's considering replacing Ricardo with Colton Hirta. I think I said that correctly. He's the youngest IndyCar driver ever to win an IndyCar race. He's Mario Andretti's promised child to the world. Not of his loins, but the kid can race. Nothing's been confirmed, but they're looking to replace Ricardo before his contract runs out in 2024. You know, I I hope not just for Ricardo's sake. I love Ricardo. But that kid, you know, one of the biggest reasons I said you would keep Ricardo right now is because of the marketing advantage he brings. Colton, Hurt, Colton Herta, I believe is his name, is an American kid, right? Yep. You've seen what they're doing here in Miami this weekend. That American market's pretty damn big. I'm sure it brings more dollars than the Australian market. I would automatically jump to him as my favorite driver. Yeah, I would. Just out of nation blind stupidity. Yeah, that's like me with all the British drivers, so I get that. He would be he would be up there as one of my favorites. I'd love to see an American win it, but that for me would make more sense than like an Oscar Piastri or something like that. Another young Australian guy who you've got to sort of build the likability, the credibility that Ricardo has over 10, 15 years, whatever it is. You got you got anything else, race news? Yeah, I got one more thing. There's a gift that just keeps on giving to this world. He is like Santa Claus or the evil emperor, but his name's Helmut Marco. And I'm growing fondly. I used to hate him, but now I think I love the man. Because the only talented driver I still see in this league is Lando Norris. But he doesn't have the best machinery at the moment. When it came down to talking about who could vie for the championship outside of Verstappen and Leclerc. The guy's a moron. <laughs> Just completely goes past George Russell. Says nothing about Lewis Hamilton. What a cunt. I, I, I respect his cuntum. Is that a word? Cuntum? It is now, but it's not even the cuntum. It's like the blind, like the rivalry from last year will live with that man and probably drive him towards his grave. If Lewis had actually been given a fair lap on lap 58 and won, I think Helmut Marco would have died. God damn it. So we lost out not only on the eighth championship, but (laughs) the evil emperor dying. God damn it, Massey. Come on, bro. We need to stop talking. I think that's two podcasts in a row that we've talked about Helmut Marco's death. There's a theme here. Oh, that's funny. You got That's it? That's it. <laughs> that's it. We will end race news with talking about what could have been the evil emperor's death. It's like the final bots in the video game. You just can't get past. I do want to jump into noobs. So this segment obviously is really intended to just be a sort of a quick hit for anybody new to the sport. We talked last week a little bit about Senna and how Imola was essentially the the place where Senna lost his life. Well, it was 28 years ago on May 1st. So there's been a bunch of these news outlets, media outlets coming out with articles on remembering Senna. And this one I found, again, it was Planet F1, but it was a pretty cool story. And I was I really was sort of blown away by it. So this was at the 1984 Dallas Grand Prix, so it also ties into the fact that we're back in America. But in 1984, Senna crashed on lap 47 at at a particular corner that he'd been getting extremely close to time and time again over the race. And after the race, during the race debrief, I guess Senna was furious and just really in a state of disbelief and kept telling all of his race engineers and his team, that wall moved, that wall moved. The race engineer was telling the story. He basically said, 
you know, usually you wouldn't believe anybody, but it's Senna and he was like visibly upset more than just a driver trying to cover their own mistake. So the team went out and took a look at the wall and there were tire marks that showed somebody had crashed into one end of the concrete block and pivoted it a little bit. So Senna did crash into the wall, but the wall had actually moved. And you're talking millimeters. And Senna, when he crashed, said the wall moved. Everybody looks at him like he's crazy. They go look, and the wall had actually moved. That's a man that knows the track and knows his car. The precision. That is one of the most amazing stories I'd, I'd ever heard. I've been watching highlights of him nonstop over the last month. Amazing. I, I cannot articulate what that man can do with a car. I started this year researching Nigel Mansell, fell in love with his career, moved on to Senna, and I'm going to keep moving on to other legends so I can just grow a greater appreciation for the history of this great sport. But Senna was in a league of his fucking own. And it's, you know, he only had three world championships, I say only, and he's considered almost unanimously as one of the top three at least, and in most people, he's, he's number one ahead of Schumacher and ahead of Hamilton. He just didn't have the, the longevity to prove that. And then you look at some of the ones he lost by, you know, a point or a race here and there, and we could have died with probably five easy. Yeah, very, very impressive guy to go back and watch. But for noobs, I just thought that that story of when you're driving around a racetrack at, you know, hundreds of miles an hour, and you go back adamant that the wall moved. Can you imagine you'd, what you would look at me if we were doing anything, and I was like, that wall moved. You'd be like, get the fuck out of here. I told you to fuck off, for sure. The wall moved. It actually did move. I thought that was fantastic. So we mentioned we won't have any Toto Wolf this week, so we will go ahead and and jump into our race preview here. All right, Miami. I'm conflicted on this one in, in many ways. If you were a pure fan of the sport, you would say this is a spectacle, You would say it's a sideshow. You would say it's not really about the racing. My counter-argument to that would be I think it's a great move for F1 in general. My fear with it is that the racing does end up shitty. And for the millions of people watching it on TV and not there to enjoy the carnival grounds they've set up, it won't be, you know, all that exciting and it ends up Maybe not having a negative impact, but not, you know, with the same level of excitement coming back next year. What do you say? We touched on it a little bit. It, it is great for the sport. This is going to build a United States audience, and obviously it's going to lead to bigger money dollar signs for when that contract's up for TV rights. It's not something I want to see come. I'm not really excited about this track being a mainstay, maybe a one and done. But it doesn't look like it's going to be a one no, and done. I mean, it's going to be there. They've got at least, I think it's a five-year contract, right, out the gate. But then again, going back to what I just learned, with them not paying any licensing fee, I would imagine that also gives F1 the ability to yank it pretty quickly if it doesn't show up well. Now, I'd be shocked if they didn't give it two, three years. The track itself, I think you've got a little more info on the track. It looks like it's going to be high speed. Looks like there's going to be maybe two or three areas with passing from some of the the media types, the pundits that I've read from, they do think it could be a pretty exciting track, not only for on race, but also for qualifying given the, the speed. Yeah, just from a track's point of view, it's a, a mix of low and high speed corners. I think what you're going to see here is maybe a, a repeat of what we saw in Jetta this year. Maybe not as fast, 
But there are three corners, I believe I read correctly, where they think two cars can actually go into together and there's room for passing. I didn't see the DRS zones. There's probably only two, I think. There may even be three. I mean, there's a, it's a pretty long track. And it's got, I mean, even the parts that are straights, right, essentially straights, have a few minor weaving parts in them, which when you're going at those speeds could be huge for allowing yourself to set up better going into a corner. Somebody loses a couple miles an hour, the other person hits that slight curve perfectly, they'd be able to theoretically gain an advantage going into that corner or at least catch up to the car in front of them. So, I have down three DRS zones. But I don't know if that's been confirmed. I know that turns 9, 10, and 17 are areas that they expect to be passable. So you at least have some options there, but 9 and 10 are right there, back to back. Yeah. If it wasn't for the changes that we have in the cars this year, I think this track would be a procession. But we saw even Jetta was so, in my opinion, exciting to watch. I don't think we're going to have another Imola. Of course, you might want to blame Imola on, on the rain and everything else. DRS wasn't enabled till lap 33 last week, but that was by far the most boring race of the year so far. I agree, but that's the other piece. I, I did look at the, the weather forecast pretty much every day between now and the race event starting. There is some rain in the afternoon, and this is Florida. If you're not from the U.S. or you're not familiar with Florida, Florida during the summertime, you are pretty much, well, spring and summertime, you're pretty much guaranteed an afternoon shower, or at least the threat of one, every day around 3 o'clock. Qualifying's at 3, the race is at 2.30. I do think you could see rain come in, even if it's just brief. But, you know, the, the way these Florida storms work, you've seen them. They come in, and it just shits it down for two minutes, and then it's bright sunshine again. That could make this pretty pretty chaotic if we get one of those. I'm all for it. I have low expectations, but high hopes. I think that, that says it perfectly. I think... The stars are going to be out. The amount of people I have seen, you know, professional athletes, stars, whoever, who are confirmed to be there. When you hear Zach Brown from McLaren talking about the amount of hospitality requests he's getting, which are mostly going to be actors, actresses, sports people, whoever. So the stars are going to be out. The spectacle will be there. Ultimately, this will either be just a, a Super Bowl type fan experience or it's going to be an absolute mainstay on the calendar and just absolutely fantastic with all of the, the grandiose of F1 combined with fantastic racing. I hope it's the latter. I know we're going to get the spectacle. That leads into the top five headlines for this race, according to Formula One, which one being Miami gets set to, which I read this wrong at first, gets set to make its big bow. I thought it said gets its big blow. So think about cocaine GP. There'll well. be both of those. Yeah, exactly. That's our number one headline <clears throat> is a Miami Grand Prix debut. Number two, a new circuit to tame. So number one is just the debut of Miami and all the extravaganza, coordinate F1. I mean, Miami's held more Super Bowls than any other city. I think they've got 11 out of the 55 or whatever. Miami is a city that knows how to put on these events. The city won't let it down. In fact, the race is around the Miami Dolphins football stadium. And the Walmart. And a Walmart and a tennis court. So, and a fake Monaco. You know what's funny when you, okay, so two things there. One, the fake Monaco, when that came out and they started showing pictures of the boats they've craned in and they didn't even spend the 10 grand to put them in real water. It's like a blue 
painted blue tarp looking thing that they've got these boats sitting in. It's not even real water. That's one. But go, going back to the other piece you said, F1 came out today on their YouTube with like a tour of the campus, if you will. They've left the tennis courts, but you do not see the Walmart. No free advertising. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. You you don't want people flying in, billionaires, and then you see a Walmart parking lot. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's I can't wait to see it on the actual broadcast. What else do they got? One and two are the same thing. I guess two as far as the track itself. Yeah, it'll be interesting. New, you know, who handles the track the best or learns the track the fastest. You've got your guys, you know, are pretty damn good at that from the past and Essentially, Max and Lewis, we know they're good at it. How's the rest of the field handle it? Number three, Ferrari looking to respond. I do think that's big. I think they had a huge opportunity last week to come in with home court advantage, if you will, and plant their flag. And instead, both cars shit the bed. Red Bull got the one, two. Boom, we're right back into a a close-ish championship, if you will. One more one, two by Red Bull. Regardless of where Ferrari finishes, and this is pretty damn close race here for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the season. We're only five, six races in, but we'd be right back to essentially even. Number four, Mercedes brings more upgrades. By the way, great breakdown on the Ferrari looking to respond. Thank you. Yeah, that was, was very shit. kind of you. Appreciate that. Uh, Merck upgrades. So uh, this one, right? So we originally thought they were going to have upgrades at Imola. Then we were told they were going to have upgrades in Spain, which is the race after this one. Correct. Now we're hearing Andrew Shovlin, their, their director of engineering or trackside engineering director, whatever his, his actual title is, come out and say that they had seen some pretty positive signs of improvement with the developments they were making, and they were hoping to bring some as soon as Miami. He also said in that he doesn't believe it'll be a quick, you know, bring one package and everything's fixed. He thinks it'll be more of a, a stepped-out improvement, right, step-by-step. Step. I'm going to actually say, and you'll see this in my race predictions for this week, I think Mercedes shows up and makes a huge jump this week. I think what they were expecting at Imola last week was then you know, pushed out, and they've been able to bring it back in to, to this week, and I do believe we'll see a, a big jump. And if we don't see it this week and we don't see it in two weeks in Spain, then I think they're fucking done for the year. But I am predicting the the big jump comes this week, and if it's not this week, I'll hang my final hopes on next week. Damn, another great summary. And then number five, an epic fight for points. So is there a point here that I did see every team has points this year so far? It's been five, six years, I want to say, probably since five, six races in, everybody had points. So, yeah, it is harder to get those points. If you're in the, the midfield or you have a bad qualifying, it's going to be a lot harder to, to run through the field and get back up to the top because everybody seems to be operating at a much more, if not a better level than they were, a much more equal level than they were. First year with these massive changes. Yeah. And they were designed to make this more they've, competitive. They've done it. I mean, they, they really have. I don't think anybody can complain year one, six races in, the effect that these regulations have had. That's it for F1's major storylines. I have three of my own. Oh, okay. Careful here, bud. <clears throat> One, driver's response, which will tie into my pressure cooker segment, but certain drivers responded this week 
was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I mean, that ties to the Ferrari deal, right? Like, how do they respond? Not just for Ferrari, but there's another Lewis? big name. There's another big name. Other so, than Lewis? That I have, yeah. Who you got? Well, we'll get into the pressure cooker. Okay, so let's go to your pressure cooker. Well, uh, still, my other top storylines. Street circuit fun, question mark. We're going to find out, right? That's what we've been talking about. But that, that's that's what I had as coming in here. Number two and number three. Upgrades, which we we dived on, but so number two, when you say when you say street circuit, like is it going to be a fun? Is it going to be a great race to watch? Yeah, no, I'm with you, right? That that for me would be the really the number one thing is I have no doubt Miami will show up, the stars will show out, the spectacle will be Pitbull. That's called you better show up. People will be there in some capacity, I'm sure, but will will the race itself live up to the hype? That's that's the danger F1 has here with how hard they've pushed this thing down everybody's throats. And not just our throats in America. You read some of the online comments from people in Europe, they're fucking sick of it. It's like, I get it. You're going to Miami. Shut up. They're sick of America fans already. I got people commenting on our TikTok account talking shit about American fans. So I don't know what it is between European and American fans, but it is there. Uh, Pressure cooker. Dun, dun, dun. Cooking that pressure, taking that slap, slapping my dick on a take slapping podcast. All right, here are my drivers with the pressure cooker situation. I, can you do that? Don't do it again. Never mind. Go on. Oh, the no. pressure cooker slapping my dick and take some podcast. Mm. And you wonder why European fans hate Americans. You are the reason. I will wear that flag proudly. Go America. America. Fuck yeah. Go ahead. All right. In no particular order, and you can... Actually, time out. If we do get that American driver, I hope his helmet says Team America on it. And America, fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll let you spitfire on any of these, but I'm just going to lay them out there. Who I think has the biggest pressure coming in. Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, Daniel Cardo, and Pierre Gasly. I would agree with all of those. I think Leclerc's probably the most pressure, given he fucked up when he was in a pretty good spot. You know, he would have lost whatever it was, five points, and ended up losing 15 points. I, I don't know the exact number, but that was all due to a driver's error, driver's mistake, nothing else. In fact, I will also go maybe even more than Leclerc's your boy signs. That man has been consistently shitting the bed. Hopefully, for your sake, he can prove your theory that He's just a slow starter, and he'll he'll turn it around because that's been pretty abysmal too. Lewis, yeah, I mean, we talked it about this a lot last Ad week. nauseum. Is it is it that he just doesn't give a shit because he knows he doesn't have the car? Is it different setup that they're giving George and him to really try and double double the amount of time they have playing with setup to try and get it right moving forward? I, I don't know. I, I do think there's some. I don't. I struggle to say there's pressure on Hamilton because the dude's not got much to prove, really. But I do see where you're coming from, Gasly. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there too. If Yuki starts beating Gasly consistently, <laughs> that'd be. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what you would say. Teams wise, I had Ferrari down, but no, I think you're spot on. Ferrari, absolutely. But it's more of the drivers for me because Ferraris put themselves with a great car, but their drivers have. That's actually, that's a very good point. Yeah. No, I'll give you that 100%. Uh, so, from my only team coming in this race is Mercedes. That car was undrivable last week. 
If your name was Lewis Hamilton, if your name was Georgie. Georgie, baby. Georgie was, was good to go. I did see, too. I saw some stats today. Georgie is the only driver to finish in the top five of every race this year. That Mercedes car, while shitty, is reliable. It is. It is. It'll <laughs> get across the line. And I don't know what place it will. And Mercedes is the only team that's got both their cars across the finish line in every race. Now, do we really want to advertise that? Ooh. Um, that's all I had as far as the pressure cooker little segment for the race preview. Jump into predictions? Sure. I mentioned that I thought Mercedes was going to bring something big. So just keep that in mind and don't think I'm out of my goddamn mind. I also think the pressure and the intensity between Max and Charles is really going to have to, it's going to hit a boiling point. At some point, there's going to be something between them. So this keep, race. I think it's this race. I also, and this again probably comes from living in America, wanting this to be fantastic for everybody here. With all of that said, I can see something happens with Max and with Leclerc. And I'm going to go number one, Perez, number two, Russell, and number three, Hamilton. As far as teams, Mercedes, Red Bull, then Ferrari. We've said this is a fast track, so I think Red Bull will be above Ferrari no matter what. And I think we see a big, big jump here from, from the Mercedes team. Trying to pick up my jaw real quick. Yeah, I, I think there will be a wreck, and I don't know how it's going to shake out. But I, I, I foresee this race going. Leclerc one, Perez two, signs three. Do you think Max is out of it somehow? I think Leclerc Get, gets a little lucky, does a little Silverstone action on on Max, taps him into the wall, and keeps going. Something of that nature. There will be wrecks this race. We haven't had a big one between front runners yet. Max is catching up. We saw Ferrari shit the bed last week, so there'll be pressure there on Leclerc. He won't be willing to, to give an inch, so I'm good with that. I think what you'll see is is possibly the Mercedes. Whether it's, uh, I guess what I'm more firm in saying is you'll see a Mercedes on the podium. I hope to see them fighting for at least four or five. Yeah. Comfortably. That'd be nice. Anything else you want to cover for race preview before we, we jump into losing money with no rubber? No, nah, man. I'm ready to lose some money. Well, in fairness, we've done pretty well this year. I think I'm two of four this year. I'd have to go back and look. We never do. We just sort of lose the bets and move on. But with that said... You lose. I I did a bit of digging. I've been using a different site recently for my own personal betting. And they have what they call match bets. So per race, they put either two teams or two drivers next to each other, and they put odds against that, right? And whoever finished better between those two, you'd obviously win. So between Leclerc and Sainz, they have Leclerc at minus 800, Sainz at plus 500. Between Verstappen and Perez, they have Verstappen at minus 1250, Perez at plus 750. Hamilton and Russell, they have Hamilton as a slight favorite at minus 140, with Russell there at plus 110 for whoever wins between the two of them. I just thought from a, a team standpoint and where the odds makers see those teams in terms of having a, a first and second driver like we've talked about, right now the odds makers give Verstappen a huge advantage over Perez and they give Leclerc a huge advantage, slightly smaller than Verstappen, but still a significant advantage over his teammate. Then Hamilton is is very slight advantage over Russell. I guess you could say not hugging Georgie, but the odds makers are seeing that too. I don't think anybody would have expected to see something that close going into the year. 
race itself. So for the race itself, Max plus 100, Leclerc plus 120. Then you jump all the way down to Perez at plus 1100, Signs at plus 1400. And this is what I found interesting. You have Norris next at plus 4,000. Then Hamilton plus 6,600. And then both Ricardo and Russell at plus 8,000. Wait, 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 where was where was Signs? Signs was fourth. 1,400 plus 1,400. Plus 1,400. <laughs> Bet 100, win 1,400. And then you have a significant drop off. But the next person is not Hamilton. It's not Russell. It's actually Norris with a significant odds advantage over over Hamilton, Ricardo, and Russell. And I do want to point out, just specifically for your wife, so that she doesn't get disappointed in, in me not poking fun at her man, Botas, he is all the way down at plus 12,500, still behind every McLaren car, every Mercedes car, every Ferrari car, as well as uh, every Red Bull car. So still not thought of very highly, at least in terms of being able to win a race, still the second place finisher at best. That said, gonna jump into my predictions. I think the safe the bet. Fuck, man! It clearly his car is not on the same caliber as the McLaren or Mercedes. Maybe was, in Imola, the stats might say that. It said but it was the rest faster. of the races. It's the Alfa Romeo has been right there with. As far as stats, his car is more nine, ten, eleven, twelve no. for the whole year. Negative. No, Bullshit, Ghost Rider. Eight, nine, ten, maybe. And he's sitting at eight. Well, so where, where is his his counterpart at? I don't he's know. A rookie I, driver. I didn't look at it. Don't care. My well, only point was right. He's in sixteenth. What in terms of And he's of two odds? points behind. Four points behind Hamilton right now. Who? Bottas. Yeah, still behind. Four points. Whole point of this is you know you would think he'd be bunched in there with. No, nobody expected Alfa Romeo car. To be anywhere near the top ten, my, as far as yeah, no, no. But odds wise, I'm not saying he should be one of the favorites to win. I'm just saying there's a significant jump people you, you could actually see as a winner in life and bodies. Well, he's won races, so he's a winner in life. Mm, he's more often coming second place in bicycle races. He's anyway, anyway, making I, millions did, driving F1, and we're sitting here talking about him. So I think he's winning in life. I'm winning in life thanks to his misery as a driver. I get to put a smile on my misery? face. Misery? I think he's happier than he's ever been. Yeah, you're probably right there. You're probably right there. Anyway, I just I couldn't go an episode without getting it. I know. love my wife. There you go. I <laughs> had to we can't go an episode him. without me saying that and you being a cunt. There you go. Fair point. Fair point. So for my actual predictions for losing money with no rubber, the safe bet, the one I would put my, my money on despite everything I said in predictions, the safe bet is going to be on Max Verstappen at plus 100. With the high speed of this track, he's the favorite for a reason. Bet 100, win 100. Easy, even money, right? From there, if I was going to reach, I think Perez is probably the best bet. Plus 1,100, bet 100, Jeez. win 1,100. couple of reasons. One, again, Why the straight line. You? One, the you, straight line speed. Two, uh, he's been there, man. Sorry, I don't mean to break. I don't mean to keep it. What do you mean he's been there? He's beaten Verstappen in qualifying one race this year. He's been a competitive driver, and he's putting that car in situations to win yep. with our prediction that there might be a wreck. I don't mean to interrupt your segment, but I, I fucking love your pick. I, I think Perez at plus 1,100. The other piece of this uh, is Miami, Florida is very heavy Hispanic. I think it will be in some ways his sort of the second closest thing he gets to a home race. I think he'll have a lot of fans there. I think he'll love that. And then, of course, like we said, the straight line speed. 
The other ones I had in there, I'm not, I don't know if I'll take them, but Hamilton at plus 6,600 and Russell at plus 8,000. Bet 100, win 8,000. Sorry, bet 100, win 800 on Russell. Bet 100, win 660. Those are massive odds. If you do think there's going to be something happen at the front, you want to risk a little bit, even 10 bucks to win. You know, I think it could be, I'm just not used to seeing them down that low. And if you do think they're going to bring some upgrades, significant upgrades, or there'll be some chaos at the front, might not be a bad reach. I think that's a fucking huge reach. It's a huge reach. I'd rather go for Carlos Sides than that shit, even though Carlos Sides has sucked for the last three races. Official there. prediction, I'm with you. That's why, official prediction, Max plus 100, Perez plus 100. I love the Perez pick, honestly. So, I'd like to end this. How many eight balls do we think we need to go through to be proper fans this weekend? <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> that's all I got, brother. You good? <laughs> Fuck, man. You can't do that on the last thing and throw a curveball like that. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. All right, we're going to love you and leave you. Peace. Catch up, bitch. I'm in gear three. Zoom, gone. See ya. Peace.